We begin today in these next very few minutes, in case you're wondering and worrying. Um, This is going to be a brief message. Begin a series of messages entitled Creed, an Ancient and Abiding Faith, rediscovering our core beliefs through a 13-part series in the Apostles' Creed. You are familiar, I am sure many of you, with the Apostles' Creed. It, It runs like this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic or Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. I believe that all God's people can say amen to this. In the next few minutes, I just want to introduce the Apostles' Creed to you. I want us to realize as we mark our two-year anniversary as a church that church history did not begin with us. Church history has been going on for a very long time. And one evidence of that and proof of that is the Apostles' Creed, which as we're going to see, has been around for at least 1,800 years. One reason why we want to work our way through this creed in these coming weeks is that We believe that it is as we are committed to sound doctrine, as we are committed to clear biblical teachings and truths, only as we are committed to them, can we remain valid as a church. There is no reason for a church to exist, in my estimation, if it is not proclaiming the Word of God. If it is not proclaiming the truth of God, as soon as the church departs from the ancient and abiding faith that was delivered to the apostles, that was recorded and preserved in the scriptures, as soon as the church departs from that teaching, it ceases to have a good reason to exist. The purpose for the church is to proclaim the truth. You may not be familiar with creeds, you may not know the language even, so let me do a little uh, rehearsal or review for you. The word creed comes from the Latin credo, and it means I believe. Simply put, a, a creed is a statement of what I believe. And in our time, in our day and age, we have to recognize that people have an allergy to creeds. They have an allergy to doctrine. They have an allergy to 
theology, and they even cringe. They hear the word creed, and it sounds wooden and old and rigid and formal and ritualistic. But it would probably be helpful for us to know that every single person and every single church has a creed, whether or not they realize it. Some of you will remember the study that was done a while back in which Americans were polled about their religious beliefs, and there was one woman by the name of Sheila Larson who responded like this. This is a quote. I believe in God. I am not a religious fanatic. I can't remember the last time I went to church. My faith has carried me a long way. It's Sheilaism. Just my own little voice. It's just try to love yourself and be gentle to yourself. You know, I guess, take care of each other. I think he would want us to take care of each other. That sounds like a very non and even anti-creedal spirituality, but the reality is that Sheila has a creed. She has a set of beliefs. If you were to frame it in something like an Apostle's Creed, it would go something like this. This is Sheila's Creed. I believe in a God of some sort who is whatever my little inner voice tells me. I believe that religious fanaticism is bad, or at least not for me. I believe that the church is optional, irrelevant, and unnecessary. I believe in the sufficiency and authority of my own little voice. I believe I should love and be gentle with myself. I believe, or at least I guess and think, that God would want us to take care of each other. Sheila has a creed. We all do. Do you believe in some kind of God? Then you have a creed. Do, do you believe there is no God? You have a creed. Do you believe that God made everything? You have a creed. If you believe that God made nothing and that we evolved out of primordial slime, you have a creed. If you believe that loving yourself and being yourself is the most important thing, that is your creed. If you believe that there shouldn't be any creeds, then you have a creed that says you shouldn't believe in creeds. You see, everybody's got one. Everybody believes something. And a creed is simply a collection of those beliefs. It's, it's a formulation of those beliefs. So at the end of the day, the question becomes not, do you have a creed, but do you have a good one? Do you have one that is true? Do you have one that is faithful to the truth that God has revealed? Now, as we go back in church history and go all the way back to the New Testament, we find out that creeds and creedal statements have, have always been a part of church life. We, we find some right in the Bible. We heard some just a minute or two ago in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. We, we heard read this, uh, 1 Timothy 1.15, "...the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance." that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul describes this as a saying, a word. It is a statement of faith. It was an early saying in the New Testament church that he says is worthy of full acceptance. Now what is this 
creedal statement. What is this declaration of truth? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And all God's people say, Amen. That's our only hope. But that's the point here is that that was a creed. That was a saying in the early church. And Paul uses that, that phrase. This is a faithful or a, a trustworthy saying a number of times uh, throughout his letters, each time indicating uh, a statement of truth. It was a creed. In Romans 10, where there is... Paul is talking to the Romans. He describes a simple creedal confession. He says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. What is that credo confession? If you confess with your mouth, what? Say it. Jesus is Lord. That statement is a credo confession. That statement is a declaration of your belief. In 1 Timothy 3, that text that we heard read, verses 15, or verse 16, is a clear New Testament creed Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up into glory. This is this, this list, this sequence of statements. This is what we believe. This is what we confess. This was a creed. There's a number of examples of these in Scripture. What's the point? The point is simply this, as we begin our series in the Apostles' Creed, that you can trace examples of creedal faith all the way back to the Bible. For as long as Christians have been Christians, they have been formulating their basic beliefs in sayings and creeds and confessions. And one of the oldest And one of the best of those creeds is the Apostles' Creed. Now you may wonder why creeds. What are they they for? I I recall when our youngest of six, David, was about four years old. He came out of the toy closet with a ball, one of those big bouncy variety balls. And... uh, I remember sitting in my chair looking at him bring this ball out of the closet and I said, uh, David, please don't throw the ball around. Then I added, please don't bounce the ball around. I'm not sure I really said please, but just, just don't do it. David paused and he pondered and he asked sincerely, then dad, what is a ball for? It wasn't one of my better moments as a parent, I'll tell you that. What is a creed for? What's the purpose? Why why did the New Testament Christians start formulating these sayings? Why has it been ever since that there have been confessions of faith in creeds? What do they do for us? 
specifically the Apostles' Creed. What does it do for us? Can I suggest to you that the Apostles' Creed can serve as a magnifying glass for us to get the fuzzy into focus. I don't know if you've ever found this to be true in your faith. That you're kind of fuzzy as to what you believe. You're kind of fuzzy as to the truth. Well, this brings it into focus. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Christ Jesus, His only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And on and on. It brings it into focus when our faith is fuzzy, when our doctrine is fuzzy. Secondly, it can give us a firm anchor to keep us from drifting. Folks, we are always inclined to drift. We are always theologically, always in terms of what we believe, we're inclined to drift away from the truth. This is like an anchor. These are the core essential truths. And this gives us, third, a clear center to our faith. You know, it's, it's easy to, to, to begin to get distracted by things that may be important but are not most important. The Apostles' Creed gives us what's most important. The Creed can give us a secure gate to keep wolves and false teaching out. It's kind of measuring stick. If you ever hear me stand up here, or any of the other elders stand up here and say things that are contrary to the Apostles' Creed, which is to say because the Apostles' Creed is so thoroughly biblical, contrary to God's Word. If you ever hear that, promptly boot us out onto the street. This is a, this is a gate. <laughs> this is helpful to keep bad teaching out. It's also a proven rock on which we can stand. I get... I'm very suspicious about new ideas. How about you? I'm very, you know, our world is fascinated with the new, with the novel. Uh, and and I, when it comes to truth, uh, it seems to me it's not going to be new. It's going to be old. It's going to be around for a long time. It's going to be proven. It, it is going to be sure. It's going to be tried. Well, the Apostles' Creed gives us a bit of a test for that and something that we can stand on. You know what else this can do? As we look around and see all the marvelous multi-dimensional life of this church and all the variety and all the diversity and all the differences, the Apostles' Creed and the teaching of God's Word can be the glue that keeps us together. Because no matter what we, how we might be different, on these things we agree. And here we stand. Here we stand. So for all those reasons, it is good. I, I think about the unity that the Apostles' Creed gives to us. Do you realize that across this world right now, today, this Lord's Day, this Sunday, today, there have been millions upon millions upon millions of Christians who have declared what I just read. That means... Every shade of human being, every corner of the globe, no matter where you go and Christians are, Christians are saying this. Christians are believing this. We are united with all believers everywhere. Not just here and now, but down through history. I am united with Augustine, the African theologian. 
who, who preached on the Apostles' Creed. I'm united with Edwards and Luther and all the others, European and African and Asian and South American and North American, all over the planet throughout all of time have believed in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And my heart rejoices, and I hope yours as well, as we think about this glorious unity, this one voiceness that we have as the people of God with all God's people everywhere throughout time. So these are some of the values of this that I hope God will show us as we move on. Very quickly, I just want to mention to you the, a little bit of the history of it. It's, it's old. It's really old. Uh, it was, um, you might think because of its name that it was written by the, the apostles. It wasn't really. In fact, there's a legend that's around that the 12 apostles got together and decided that each of them would write a different section of the Apostles' Creed and then they'd just bring it all together. Pure legend, myth didn't happen. But what we do know is that back in the mid-100s, a shorter version of this creed began to be used, and then over a period of a few centuries, it was added to as, as believers came to realize uh, how comprehensive it had to be. Do you know how it started, though? It started with baptisms. As people wanted to be baptized, they would be asked the question, do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? And they would say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Christ Jesus, God's only Son, our Lord? They would say, I believe in Christ Jesus, God's only Son, and our Lord. You can see what happened over time the baptismal questions or answers were formulated and compiled into a collection that is now the Apostles' Creed. What it means is that believers from all times, believers new to the faith and old in the faith, have been declaring these truths. So, what is this creed about? Let me just say it simply like this. If you were to summarize the creed, you might put it like this. We believe in the triune God. In other words, we believe in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is the maker, redeemer, judge, and restorer of all that is. We believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is the maker, redeemer, judge, and restorer of all things. Now, you're going to have to come back to find out what that's all about. Uh, but that's what we believe as Christians. We believe in the triune God. God is one God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we believe that this triune God is the maker of all that is. That He is the redeemer of all that is. That He is the judge of all that are. 
and that he is the restorer through the redemption and work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit he is the restorer of all that is for his eternal glory and our everlasting joy if you're here this morning and you are an adherent to Sheilaism or whatever your particular brand or name would be. Maybe you're tired of Sheilaism. Maybe you've come to realize, you know what? Trying to figure out what is, trying to feel my way to truth, it's getting me nowhere. In fact, it's taken me in all the wrong directions. And maybe you're looking for something solid, something sure, something certain, something that's both ancient and abiding. We invite you back to listen for more, but we invite you right now to turn your gaze away from the inside of yourself and look upward and realize that there is a God who exists, who is the maker of all things, who is the redeemer of all things, who is the judge of all things, and who one day will restore all things and follow him. Follow him. Let's pray.